0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Well, I really hate to do it to you, but we're going to start off with this. We'll get it out of the way. And um, I would say hopefully never revisit it again, but let's be honest. It's it's the off season and it is peak drama time. And so this is this is just what we do now. Um, It is kind of interesting, J.J. is the one that sent it to me, I found his original tweet about this, and um, the comments are pretty split. You've got half the people that are interested and have comments, and half the people are like, I'm going to gouge my freaking eyes out um, if I have to hear any more about this. So again, we'll start with it and we'll move on. Apparently, according to a bunch of gossip magazines or whatever, Aaron Rodgers and Shailene Woodley... Um, are either taking a break, have completely broke up, whatever the case may be. Now, my understanding of these tabloid magazines is they are like the original clickbait. In other words, they basically started their entire business based on the model of, we're going to just completely make stuff up, put it in giant bold font on the front of a magazine, and hope people buy these things at the checkout line while they're waiting to get their groceries paid for. That's like their entire business model. But, I mean, if you just Google it, it's pretty much every single one of these. Shailene Woodley allegedly broke up with Aaron Rodgers. Shailene Woodley allegedly broke up with Aaron Rodgers. He allegedly broke up with Shailene after spending blah, blah, blah. I don't know. I can't read it. Don't care. Shailene Woodley allegedly broke up with Aaron Rodgers. Shailene Woodley allegedly broke up with Aaron Rodgers. So, um, apparently, they're not even clever enough to make up their own titles. They just rip each other off. Uh, I wonder how much of the text in the articles are nearly identical. There are different reports i guess as to why i mean uh, what what i think h- here's what i'm gonna say first of all when i woke up this morning this is the first thing i saw jj had sent me this um these little clippings here let me just show you what he had sent these little clippings this is from star whatever that is something about control issues rogers refused to let go never accepted shailene for who she was refused to change his life for her Shailene was hoping he'd retire from the NFL to work on their relationship. Since Rogers refused to retire, Woodley is refusing to stick around. Didn't matter how good he was at football, she wanted him to quit for her, and refusal cost him a wedding. The insider also claimed that Woodley and Rogers uh, first started dating. They agreed to give each other freedom, but uh, just a few months into their relationship, they realized that they both couldn't pull through with their promises. According to the source, relationship reached a point where it became physically exhausting, even though they were always apart. Quote, she felt like she was being grilled all the time. She was okay with their long distance relationship, but it obviously, uh, but it obviously was having a bad effect on Aaron. Anyone who knows Shailene knows she speaks her mind. She's sorry it didn't work out, but she can't be with someone who tries to cage her. She made a decision to make the change and it's over now, the source said. So apparently, so this is Shailene's quote unquote inner circle. So just so we're clear what we're talking about here. According to Larry Brown Sports, Woodley did not celebrate Rogers' 38th birthday with the athlete on December 2nd. Instead, the quarterback was photographed with his friends. That's actually kind of interesting. But a source for the couple confirmed that the two are still together. It just so happened that they did not post any videos or photos together on social media. Um, Anyways, that's pretty much the end of it. So in other words, um, and I have seen other things about this in the past, didn't really care all that much. Um, anyway, so this is what I woke up to. I think there's something here and, um, but it's also one of those things where people are going to kind of pick this up and run with it and probably take it places where it's not supposed to be, or people misunderstand or the inside source is Shailene's friend and she's going to distort the information or it's Shailene's friend of a friend of a, of a, you know, limo driver's cousin. Anyways, speaking of friend of a friend of a friend, the reason why I tend to believe that this is true aside from the fact that. I mean, everything seems pretty legit to begin with, not to mention Aaron Rodgers' um, track record of, you know, dating people. And uh, it seems real serious. And then within within one year, it's like, this isn't working, and they break it off. And that seems to be just kind of the way this thing goes. So, I mean, it wouldn't be surprising. But um, there is one person who has occasionally been able to provide me with information that I know is actually Aaron Rodgers' inner circle. No, I'm not the one calling the media or doing any of that kind of stuff. But, um, for example, I happen to be one of the first people to know that Rodgers was coming back to Green Bay. I also happen to know that Rodgers, uh, with the plans with Randall Cobb and all that and all this stuff, because somebody has ties to somebody and it's kind of one of those, you know, some of the things I couldn't even, I was not allowed to talk about on the podcast just because, you know. I don't know if you guys are watching Ozark. I, I, I'm a huge fan of Ozark and I've been waiting since forever, and I binged three seasons. I'm, I'm like, I'm going to start from the beginning because I want to make sure I remember everything, and I'm glad that I did that. It was fantastic. I binged all three seasons. took me this, basically this entire week or several days. It's a lot of watching. I mean, that's hours and hours and hours. But anyways, I got through it. I just started season four. I don't know if I finished the first episode or not. I think I did. But anyways, you, you know how these things work, right? Just think about Rogers as like the head of the Navarro cartel. If I start running my mouth about stuff I heard about some inside information, somebody's getting killed, man. And he doesn't want his friend to, uh, you know, get... I was going to think of something creative. They, they don't really kill people in creative ways, do they? They just start blasting, which which I guess is mostly realistic. You know, the... Uh, probably is mostly shooting with these drug cartels. I love, you know, the... the uh, heck is that show called? Walter White, the drug one. But there's probably not a lot of uh, heads wandering around on tortoises type of stuff. That are bombs that explode. I don't I'm guessing that's less likely to happen. Anyways, he chimed in on this situation and basically said it's basically his understanding as well that this is this is real. He did call it a break, not a um, not a breakup, but a break. Uh it does stem from her wanting him out of Green Bay and Green and him not really being too keen on that. Furthermore, she just refuses to step foot in Green Bay. And he's like, "Hey, you want to come to Green Bay and hang out with me because you know we're getting married and stuff." And she's like, "Nah, I'm not going to some backwoods redneck Midwest town." I kind of, I kind of made that part up, and maybe that's not fair, but I mean, let's let's be honest. So again, it doesn't really matter, but it has to be kind of weighing on, on it, it, Let's just put it this way: if this is true, this is this is where this all actually means something to me. If this is true, that basically Shailene refuses to ever be in Green Bay. She's like, "I'm not doing that," and I want you to either leave football or. Go to a team somewhere on the West Coast. Number one, that had to have been a major factor in all the offseason drama. Him saying, I might be leaving, I might be wanting a trade somewhere, possibly even going behind people's backs to the Denver Broncos. I know he said it didn't happen, but supposedly somebody reached out to the Denver Broncos and said, hey, come and get me. And that got out. Is it possible that Shailene was in his ear and he's like, all right, well, let's just see if, uh, you know, we can, we can work something out with moving out west somewhere. But beyond that, if, if that's her stance, I don't want you playing football. If you are, I'd like you to be somewhere closer to me, and I refuse to come visit in Green Bay. And he's contemplating some kind of a massive long-term extension, which, you know, might be a five-year thing that actually is a two-, three-year deal. But still, that ain't going to work out too well. And you have to assume that's weighing on Aaron Rodgers. That's, that's where this actually matters beyond just the the gossip nonsense. What would you do? I mean, really, you really like this person a lot. You propose to this person. You're you're engaged to be married, and your bride to be is saying, "Choose the Packers or me." It's a big decision, you know. I mean, it, again, I've been looking at it as, "Dude, where are you going to go?" I mean, you don't want to retire. You 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 love football. You're competitive, and the Packers give you the best chance. But that's a that's a big factor. I don't know how much that's weighing on him if if certain details of this are true. But if they are. It's a big factor, and he may choose retirement. I think it would be the wrong decision, not for me really to weigh in, but look, when I got married, it was based on certain things. You know, I I know a lot of people like to get married for whatever various reasons, but I think there have to be certain things that you agree on at your core. I get the impression they didn't really go through this whole process of identifying each other's values and making sure that they line up considering the only thing we know about Ro- Rogers and Shailene's values is that they're almost a polar opposite. And the articles have come out about, well, we just choose not to talk about that. Well, you can't do that when you're rearing children though, can you? You basically have Whoopi Goldberg and um, Joe Rogan in, that are parents. What do you teach your children? Where do you send them to school? How do you raise them? I understand if you guys have a combined billion dollars, maybe you know how you guys run your budget, invest, all those kinds of things doesn't matter as much because nothing's going to really change the fact that you guys are beyond wealthy, but do you have a, 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 a agreement on how money is spent? I mean, Johnny Depp has taught us that there's no too much money to be stupid with money. Do you agree on that? Have you even talked about that? Or is it just, you know, she's got really pretty eyes, and she's really deep, and she gets me on this deep level, and man, bro, like, I mean, I'm sorry, but let's be honest, that seems to be the guy Rogers is. I mean, Everybody has a friend that's like that. They find a girl and they're just off. I've said this before. I had a friend in school, Matt. He was this way. He was very girl crazy. And he would, I, I remember there was this girl that he really liked. And she would, I remember this one day she would like skate. She was, I don't know, roller skating or something by our buddy John's house. We were all hanging outside, I think, playing football in the front yard. And she just went roller skating by and waved at us. And he literally just ran down the street after. Her. Like, where are you going? He grabbed his skateboard and went after. Her. He's like, I'm going with her. I'm like, she didn't even invite you. Where, what are you doing? And I think they ended up dating for a while, and he just completely cut off ties to us. In fact, he doesn't talk to me anymore because of a girl. It's just how he is, man. It's just that's, that's his number one priority. And now he's happily married, and I bet he's a great husband because he is obsessed. And I bet he does everything for her, and that's good for him. But I'm just saying, he rushes into these things blindly. And I don't think that's necessarily... I mean, you can get lucky, but it's not necessarily the best way to uh, gauge whether this is a, a good person to be married to. Date for a while? Okay. Married to? I don't know. I don't think that's the criteria for marriage. Like, we like the same shows. So what? So what? That doesn't mean anything. Do you want? I mean, he does. He's never been married, so I guess he doesn't know, but give me, come on, man. You got to grow up, dude. The whole, he makes me laugh. We like this. We have the same interests. We said favorite vacation destination on three, and we both said Bora Bora at the same time. We're in love. It's not love, dude. You guys both like beaches. That's not, you know, that's stupid. Who cares? So, I don't know. We'll see how this all turns up. I know I shouldn't care, but the, the part of me that looks at two human beings doing something that I gauge to be, and I know that in 2022, you're not allowed to talk like that. How dare you judge them? Well, because stupid is stupid, right? I, don't, I mean, you do whatever you want. I'm not telling you you can't. It's telling you it's a bad idea. You guys have complete polar opposite values. I mean, maybe not complete polar opposite. I mean, it's not that bad. I exaggerated a little bit, but it's it's pretty bad. And so, you know, I'm not just, I, I hate to even say I'm rooting against them. I'm I'm not. But deep down, I feel like this, this is not going to work. And if he leaves football for her and they break up a year later, that's going to be the worst possible scenario. And it's going to be even worse if they have children together and then it doesn't work. Worst, worst, worst possible scenario. So smarten up. Figure out if this is going to work. Spend some time together, like a lot of time together. Sit down and discuss things that matter, like your values, you know, big people stuff, like children. Do you want children? How many children? How do you want to raise the children? What about schooling? What are your thoughts on where they should go to school? Public school, private school, homeschool? These things matter because people don't talk about it. And let me tell you something, if my wife and I didn't agree on schooling, it would be a major battle because these are my kids we're talking about and you start to feel like someone's trying to take your kids away from you and and put them in a situation that you don't think is safe, that's going to cause serious problems. So I'm sorry if you guys like the same video games, but that's stupid. We both like 90s rock. Wow. Nobody cares. (laughs) Figure it out, man. Crossroads. Anyways, we'll leave it at that for now. I'm sure this will continue to pop up in the future, but... By the way, I love it when uh, places like CBS throw up titles like um, NFL Insider with an update on Aaron Rodgers, and then they offer no insights whatsoever. <laughs> just, <laughs> I'm just checking to see what's out there real quick. I have had these links up for since yesterday, but I knew it was going to be nothing. But I was like, let's let's see what inside information Jason Laconfora has and it's like well there's there's a bunch of teams that need quarterbacks and uh, ultimately we you know it could be Washington could be Tampa could be Carolina it's like you listed three teams that are not going to work two of them Rodgers doesn't want to go to one of them the packers are not going to trade to so thank you for nothing for for that massive massive insight mr insider speaking of guys that i actually trust as insiders uh jay glazer was uh on colin coward's show the herd he basically said um he wasn't really sure how to read the whole Aaron Rodgers thing. However, the most recent news that he has over the last week was somebody that he knows inside of Green Bay really trying to convince him, no, you don't understand. Like Things have gotten a lot better with Aaron Rodgers. That's the most recent thing that he's heard. He said, I I have no idea what to think with Aaron Rodgers. You never know. Um, But that was the most recent news he had heard. Now, everybody else, and and again, this is, I I listened to another video with uh, the CBS guys. I forget what their thing is called, but they were talking about it, and they're like, I'm pretty sure if I had to guess Rodgers is leaving. Everybody's convinced, which, again, is why I said when he comes back, it's going to be, everyone's going to freak out. If he doesn't, I'll I'll freak out a little bit, but but I'm still, I'll, I'm much more confident than anybody in the national scene, certainly anybody in Chicago, Minnesota, Detroit, or any other fan base, because they get their information from the national guys, and the na- even, uh, what's her name on the herd? I don't know the the lady that's on there all the time, but she's like, I'm still pretty sure he's gone because I know he's petty. She's still in the, like, year-ago mindset that he hates Green Bay and hates Brian Gutekunst and is going to leave just because she, like, they're, they're, they've they're they completely detached from any of the recent developments. And even Jay Glazer, who, who knows people in Green Bay and whatnot, and again, I, I trust him as a guy that knows stuff, he had to be informed just this past week that things have been getting better. He apparently was not aware of that, but somebody was like, no, you don't understand, like, the relationship with Rodgers and the organization has been really, really good lately. So for that reason, he is leaning this direction, but he also added in, but that was before his coaching staff got sent off. But I have to assume that that was part of the uh, the conversation that was had, as far as, you know, when they st- stuck around and said, what are we doing moving forward? Um, not that there were specifics as far as, yeah, we're, de- we're going to let Getze go and whatever, but certainly going to... Probably want to preempt him, like, just so you know, I mean, come on, you, you know Hackett's going to get a job. And Rodgers isn't going to be mad about that. He might be mad about Getsy depending on how that's spun. But I really doubt he's going to be mad about his coaches getting promotions. Like, you, you think Rodgers is going to leave because Getsy got a promotion? Well, we should have been the ones to do it. Okay, well, then, then somebody else gets a promotion somewhere else. I just, I don't see that. I think he's going to be happy for Hackett to get a head coaching job. I think he's going to be happy for Auden for getting that offensive coordinator job. I think he's going to be happy for Getzey for getting the offensive coordinator job. Probably not with Chicago, but nobody in the organization is happy about that. The, that's the thing. The, the, the Green Bay Packers are going through the same thing. They're not happy about losing guys either, but they're grownups. They're happy for their guys. They're grown ups. They understand this is how the NFL works. And Rodgers needs to be that way too. And I think he will be. And if you don't think that that's how he's going to be, then you need to at least acknowledge that you think Rodgers is a petty child. Because a lot of people are going to look at this and say, they let him go and Rodgers is going to be mad and rightly so. No, 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 no. They got promotions elsewhere because that's what happens in the NFL. And if you think Rodgers is going to leave over that, then you think Rodgers is a petty child. That's the situation. But again, my contention is that is not Roger's stance. I think he fully understands um, that, and I don't think that that's going to be a factor for him to start stomping his feet and saying, you let this guy go, and now I'm I'm leaving. I don't know. I I understand that that's – I feel like people are – I don't know if traumatized is the right word, but everyone's very quick to assume like this is just going to blow up any second. And that, that does seem to be his MO, even for even if people don't want to admit it because they're they're very defensive of Rodgers and they're very anti the team and Rodgers, they keep doing him wrong. You guys are basically admitting that Rodgers is a child every time you start theorizing stuff because the tiniest little thing will happen. The smallest little thing, and it's like oh, you guys just upset Rodgers, Way to go, now he's gonna leave. Like guys. I I mean maybe you're right, but I I don't think He's that much of a child, but maybe, I don't know, I guess we'll find out, but um, you're certainly not saying anything bad about the team, you're saying something bad about Rodgers, because this is all silly. You don't just up and leave because your guy got a promotion. Your quarterback coach, who's at this point in your career providing nothing but friendship, you're a multi-billionaire, hop on a plane and go hang out with the guy somewhere, tell him to meet you in Tennessee. Anyways, why don't we take a break here? I want to come back on the other side and start to look at some different prospects and things um, that kind of make sense for the Packers talking about the NFL draft. We've got the East-West Shrine Bowl and the Senior Bowl that are um, that are all wrapped up. Uh, apparently, today's the Pro Bowl. I didn't even know that, nor do I care. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arena club.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a four hundred dollar slab pack. That's forty bucks right there. Anyways, that's arena club.com slash packdaddy for ten percent off your first purchase. But the question is, what are the Packers and how much stock do the Packers put into things like that? Um, It it seems to me that the Packers uh, do really seem to put some stock in the Senior Bowl. And so paying attention to how guys perform in the Senior Bowl, as well as some other things, matters. Now, obviously, you have to be a senior to play in the Senior Bowl. So there are certain prospects the Packers like that aren't playing. But um, some guys do stand out in the Senior Bowl. For example, if we look at PFF actually does grades in the Senior Bowl, Um, if we look at last year's draft class, uh, if you look at running backs, most of these guys graded out, I would say, in the negative or with a zero grade, meaning they didn't do anything. But for example, if you look at like pass protection for running backs, uh, Michael Carter had a negative 9.5, Khalil Herbert negative 7.5, Ben Mason negative 8, Elijah Mitchell negative 1.5, Larry Roundtree negative 1.5, Ramondre Stevenson negative 5.5. Chris Evans was the second highest with a zero grade. The only guy with a positive grade was Kylan Hill. He's the only one. Now, that doesn't mean a ton, but um, when you're a very low prospect on the totem pole, and you're the only guy that was any good at pass blocking the entire day out of uh, five attempts. It matters. If we look at wide receiver, for example, big pile of wide receivers here. Again, lots of negatives. Out of the three pages, you got uh, John Bates, Chris Evans. I shouldn't say maybe negatives, but, but like negative in terms of bad grades. They put it in red. It's most of these guys, right? Of the guys that did a good job, let's say above a four, again, remember three pages. So we're talking about uh, roughly 25 wide receivers above a four grade. When things act, when they start to turn to green grades, you've got, um, one, two, three, one, two, three, you know who the three are Cade Johnson, Josh Palmer and Amari Rogers, John Bates, Nico Collins, Frank Darby, Dwayne Eskridge, Chris Evans, Demetric Felton, Desmond Fitzpatrick, Kylan Granson, Noah Gray, Trayvon Grimes, Trey McKitty, uh, Racy McMath, Elijah Mitchell, Quinn Morris, Cornell Powell, Larry Roundtree, Ben something, Shai Smith, Marquez Stevenson, Sage Surratt, Kadarius Toney, Tylen Wallace, Austin, Wat, uh, Austin Watkins, and Kenny Yaboa. None of them were above a four. It was only Amari Rodgers, Josh Palmer, and Kay Johnson. Packers drafted Amari Rodgers. Now, again, this, this doesn't really um, give us a super clean picture because, again, it o- it only works if you read it in reverse. You can look at it and say, uh, we drafted a guy, and sure enough, he was good in the senior bowl. But that's not good enough because a lot of guys did a good job in the senior bowl, right? Chris Evans had a five overall grade. He had the highest. So are we going no, we didn't get Chris Evans. Michael Carter did a good job, and we didn't draft him. Tight end Trey McKitty. but at the very least, what we can do is we can start putting the little puzzle pieces together in terms of things being a positive, right? We also know athleticism. I listed a couple of guys yesterday, such as Rashawn Gary, et cetera, et cetera, who are athletic freaks that the Packers seem to like. And th- this is something I said it yesterday. I think it was yesterday that they're, they've become kind of a parody at this point, where. It used to be something you say that they like guys with high RAS scores or whatever, which I've always said I don't think they care about RAS. I think there's just a higher correlation between the athletic guys that they like and guys with high RAS scores. I don't know if they're just sitting there reading RAS scores. They probably have their their own sort of proprietary RAS metric. Anyways, the point is there is a place that you can go to find out some of the most athletic, the biggest athletic freaks. Bruce Feldman puts out a uh, freak list every single year. He puts it out relatively early. Um, The first guy on this list is a guy that we don't have any chance of getting. That is unless we end up uh, trading Aaron Rodgers and getting a boatload of picks. And even then, I don't think we would be within reach of getting him unless we package all our picks to get the guy, which would be stupid. But it's Evan Neal, uh, left tackle out of Alabama. 6'7", 350 pounds, and he obviously plays like he's much smaller than that. Again, we don't need to super look into that guy because it's unlikely. Same with Aiden Hutchinson. It's another freak that's going to be gone real early. Kyle Hamilton, another guy that's going to go real early again. Unless he falls and we package some picks for Aaron Rodgers, we're not getting Kyle Hamilton. However, then we get into a couple different people. And some of these make sense for the positions we might be looking for. For example, Jalen Virgil, App State wide receiver. He goes on to say, a fixture of this list, the six one, 210 210-pound senior, who in 2020 was third-team All-Sun Belt as a return specialist. What? Say that to me again real slow-like. Third-team all-sunbelt as a return specialist. He has run a 10-2-9-100 for the App State track team and a vert of 40.5 inches, broad jump 10-11, bench press 405 and knocked out 345 pounds in a close-grip bench press. This offseason, he's added a sumo deadlift of 600 pounds to his hefty resume. The App State staff is very excited about Virgil's development as a football player this offseason. Don't be surprised to see some new wrinkles for him in different formations this fall. Quote, he is catching the ball more naturally and becoming detailed in route running, head coach Sean Clark said. We expect big things from him this year. So look, uh, Jalen Virgil is not a guy that you're going to expect to see going in the draft anytime soon at all. Um, his grades at App State, which again, remember, when you're talking about a smaller school, you expect bigger things. Uh, you expect a guy like this to to blow people out of the water, and then you kind of work backwards from there and say, okay, but you know, what does that translate to in the NFL? Jalen Virgil wasn't even very good at App State. Um, he had a 61 overall grade, and in fact, his grades have been declining since 2017. 70, 72, 66, 65, and 61. He had uh, 29 targets, 15 receptions, 226 yards, and one touchdown. And he played all season. Uh, Weeks 1, 2, 3, 4, 7, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, and then two different uh, championship games. He only had three games this entire season in which he graded out positively. Uh, Georgia Southern, he had 13 yards, got a 70 overall grade. East Carolina had uh, two receptions for 27 yards, had a 74 overall grade. And then Southern Alabama... Two receptions, 57 yards, had an 82 overall grade. Otherwise, his grades are not great. So this is a guy that you're looking at saying, maybe we're talking undrafted free agent territory. If you look at the current consensus big board, he is ranked 379th. For those keeping track, there are only roughly 262 picks. And by roughly, I mean, I'm pretty sure that's how many picks there are. 262 picks, which means he is looking to be an undrafted free agent. However... As was pointed out, he is an athletic freak, which the Packers are going to like. He's 6'1", 2'10", so he's not a small guy. It's not like some 5'9", 192-pound guy that's just real fast and elusive, because I think even that Packers are going to look at it and go, okay, he's fast, but who cares? But this guy's built a little bit. And when you're talking about special teams, you're talking about being a returner, you're going to take some hits. If you look at his grades as a returner, his first two years, 2017, 2018, he really didn't do it very much. Um, however... He started taking kick returns in 2019, and he's graded out positively every single year, 83, 74, and 77. This is an area which most people don't grade out positively. Now, again, small school, so it's going to be a little bit easier, probably. I guess I don't know, because the guys blocking for you are just as bad as the guys trying to come tackle you. But in 2019, this is kick returns, by the way. Remember, we're, we're looking for a benchmark of about 25 yards is, is sort of like, you know, if you can do that, you can get us back to zero at least. He had four returns. For 146 yards, his longest was a 57-yard return, and he averaged 36.5 yards per return. In 2020, they upped that to seven returns, 214 yards. His longest, 101 yards. Yes, he had a touchdown. He averaged 30.6. Then in 2021, he had 26 returns for 780 yards. His longest was 102 yards. He returned two for a touchdown. Only one, by the way, was fair caught out of 26. In fact, out of his entire career, that was the only time he ever fair caught anything. He takes it out of the end zone every time. And he averaged 30 yards per attempt. So 36.5, 30.6, and 30 were his average yards per attempt over three years. And he had three touchdowns. So I'm looking at this and, you know, obviously the Packers are taking special teams much more seriously. They're um, considering bringing in Bisakia, which I will figure out how to say his name properly once we hire him. Otherwise, uh, I will refuse. But, you know, I mean, here's the thing. If you're going to pay that guy that much money, you expect a return. And it's not fair to hire him. And I don't think the Packers are so stupid as to think we're going to hire him and then we're done. We're moving on. This is a full on commitment, meaning it's top to bottom. We go to Mark Murphy and say, hey, we need to pay this guy because that's a Mark Murphy thing. Cause we're not talking about draft prospects. We're not talking about that kind of stuff. We're talking about paying out of the kitty. We're talking some other kind of funds to just dis- determine if we want to pay this much money. He's got to get involved and sign off on that. And Brian Gutekunst has to be involved not only with signing off on his hiring, but in the investment. And I'm sure uh, Mr. Basakia is saying the same thing. Like, I'm, I'm not coming here to be a part of some failed special teams unit. You know, I mean, ultimately, he's got bigger aspirations. He wants to be a head coach someday. So it's going to come with a big paycheck. Number one, just to keep me from saying no, you've got to give me a bigger title. So it's got to be that plus like assistant head coach kind of thing. And this has to be a success. I'm not coming here unless you're committing to making special teams a success. you got to make me look good. You know, you got to give me something to work with because I, I can't just take garbage players and make them look good. I can make this better. We can maybe be more disciplined and that kind of stuff, but I can't make it good. So this has to be a full-on commitment. And it sounds like they are willing to at least entertain it. Now Maybe they won't meet the terms with... Bissakia um, or whoever, but there does seem to be some level of commitment here. This guy makes sense, and, and it also makes sense for me anyways, and I, I'm sure the Packers don't view it the same way, but in my mind, seventh round picks are basically castaway, throwaway garbage picks that don't matter. Um, from what I can see, we have three picks in the seventh round. Pick 226, pick 247, and a seventh round compensatory, compensatory pick at 258. Seventh round for me is special teams territory. If you need a kicker, if you need a long snapper, if you need whatever, you're basically looking at those free agents that you don't want to fight the other 32 teams for. You take your priority free agents, and you take them in the seventh round. Again, I don't know that the Packers view it that way, but I do. I would never know, obviously. I mean, for all I know, they start that in the sixth round. But it's something to keep your eye on. Again, I I, I mean, at best, he's like a Trevor Davis, I think. He's, he's a special teams guy that we consistently keep trying to force on the roster because he's got blazing speed. Um, but he just doesn't really do a ton when he's on there. By the way, I'm completely fine with that. Next up on the freak list, you've got Devontae Wyatt, Georgia defensive tackle. Now, Georgia, um, pretty much fifty percent of all the top defenders <laughs> in the first two rounds are all Georgia guys. And the Georgia defensive line in particular. If you're looking at defensive line, which is DTs and edge rushers, um, about seventy percent are Georgia in through the first two rounds. I know that's impossible, but it's just it, it just there's a lot. Here's what it says about Devontae Wyatt. The dogs are loaded with talent, but this is their biggest freak. The six foot three, three hundred and seven pound lineman was a disruptive force in the middle of Georgia's defense. He had twenty-five tackles and fourteen quarterback pressures in twenty twenty. His most impressive testing number is his four eight seven forty he clocked this offseason. He also vert-jumped 31 inches and broad-jumped 9'3". The former high school shot-putter is also very strong, benching 385 pounds and squatting 585. Now, Devontae Wyatt is in first-round contention. In fact, he's a perfect fit because he's sitting currently on the consensus board at 39, which means he's an early second-round prospect, similar to what most of the Packers do picks are. It's, it's, it's later than what a lot of people think they should be, but it's an athletic I mean, this, this is literally what we did last year. We took an athletic freak from a great defense, literally Georgia, who was considered a second round prospect. We took him in the first round. Beyond that, there's a guy by the name of Trayvon Walker, who is ranked higher also out of Georgia. This is literally the same situation last year. There were two corners out of Georgia last year. The guy that was ranked higher, we skipped. And the guy that was taken, uh, we took the guy that was considered worse than the other guy but a bigger athletic freak. But um, I've I've talked about a few of these guys and how their grades aren't necessarily uh, what you would want or their stats or whatever. Devontae Wyatt, uh, I think I've talked about him, but he had a big breakout year in 2021 in terms of his grades, 76, 77, 73, and then 90, 89.8 to be specific. So he had a big bump in terms of his grade Um in terms of run defense versus pass rush versus tackling, he doesn't actually have a very good tackling grade, sixty-five point nine, meaning he has a bunch of misses, eleven point one percent miss rate. His run defense grade was an eighty-two, his pass rush an eighty-four. But as far as his stats are concerned, and again, it's it's tough to determine, you know, what the reason is. It double teams, which again would be hard to believe because there's so much talent, uh, especially when Devontae Wyatt is like the third ranked Georgia defensive lineman on this list. I mean, you got. Jordan Davis and uh, Trayvon Walker, who are along that defensive line that are higher than him. So unlikely he's the one getting the double teams. But 26 pressures on 263 attempts puts him at 10%, which is not what you would want to see generally. And he only had four sacks on the season. But uber-talented guy, massive program, elite defense, and he is the freakiest guy on that defense. So put a big circle around Devontae Wyatt uh, for a Green Bay Packers team that would love to get some help next to Kenny Clark. Is it a top priority? Not necessarily, but who says the Packers have to draft top priorities? That's not their top priority, is drafting top priorities. Their top priority is drafting the guy that they think is going to be best, who also happens to fit a need, and this is a need. Doesn't have to be the top need, just a need, and this is a need. Uh, next on the leak list is uh, Tariq Woolen. He's a UTSA cornerback, so I'm probably not going to spend a ton of time talking about him. Um, it's not impossible the Packers take a look at corner if they really like the guy. Uh, Tariq Woolen is uh, 6'4", 205, big dude out of UTSA Roadrunners. Um, his current consensus rank is 121, which puts him in the mid-fourth round range. So, um, you know, it is what it is. Again, not impossible. Uh, if you look at his special teams, he's not much of a special teamer. He's had 157 snaps on special teams over his four years at UTSA generally pretty low rank. Um, Of his three years in which he's done significant amount of time, his grades have been 62, 49, 49. He's never been a returner. So he's just in um, doing stuff like field goal block is his biggest one. Um, Also done some punt coverage, punt return uh, coverage, whatever, kick coverage. So uh, not super high on the list. After that, we got George Karloftis, another guy that is going to go top 10. So we're Probably not going to even get anywhere near that unless there's some kind of a trade. Even then, pretty unlikely. After that, you got a guy by the name of Jeffrey Gunter out of Coastal Carolina. Um, Apparently, he plays the bandit position, which is sort of a we'd have to discuss with one of our film guys. But uh, in the Coastal Carolina scheme, Gunter played the bandit position, which is an outside linebacker that plays to the boundary, drops into coverage, and plays in a two-point stance so he can disguise rushing versus dropping in pass coverage. In last season's opener, when Coastal Carolina uh, whipped Kansas, Gunter ran with the Jayhawks' most dynamic athlete, Puka Williams, on a wheel route, and he stuck with him. Quote, he has great length and raw athletic ability, said Coastal defensive coordinator Chad Staggs, but I believe what sets him apart is his work ethic and relentless effort. Sounds to me like he's an outside linebacker he's listed at 6 foot 4 260 so my my concern when i saw that is this is going to be a guy that's super athletic and super small right he's chasing wide receivers or or whatever it is down the sideline he's 64 260 that's a big dude um he does have 34 pressures on 258 attempts and 6 sacks so the statistics are phenomenal uh 76.7 overall grade 80.3 the year before that 73 the year before that and then a 68 in his first year or so His grades are fine, his stats are fine, he's an athletic freak, he's got the build. Um, Coastal Carolina is a a very small school. There's always big names coming out of Coastal Carolina, and the Packers have never seemed to want to touch him, but first time for everything, I suppose. Um, He's currently listed on the big board at 256 overall. That would put him roughly in the seventh round, back of the seventh round. Um, We're talking compensatory pick seventh round. An additional little tidbit is he actually does grade out fairly well on special teams. He's not again, he's not a returner or anything. He's mostly on field goal block, but he had an 83 overall grade in 2021 on his 34 snaps on special teams. So um I don't know that that means a ton, but it's something. So maybe he had a field goal block. It's probably what it was if we're being honest. But hey, it's something, man. Again, it it, it we're just checking a couple boxes here. Athletic freak, he's got the size dimensions for a position that the Packers will probably be willing to draft for, especially back of the—I mean, even if we keep two of the top guys, we're still pretty thin at the position. So taking swings at the position wouldn't be too surprising. And can you contribute on special teams matters. Then you got Derek Stingley. Supposedly he's supposed to go real early. I don't buy it. I think the Packers might have a chance at drafting him. I don't think anybody necessarily agrees with that. Um, But um, I don't know. Either way, he's a cornerback. I don't think there's too much that's going to go into us potentially drafting him. Because you're talking about a first-round cornerback that you're probably going to have to trade up for, uh, but otherwise, he would make sense. I mean, he's athletic-free cornerback slash wide receiver slash kick returner. I mean, what's not to like about that? But again, I'm just, I'm not interested. Then you got Tyler Linderbaum, uh, again, a guy that's probably going to be long gone before the Packers get there. Plus, he's an interior offensive lineman, um, and he's a center, which we already drafted a center. So again, not a ton there. Then we get to number eleven, Tyler Harrell out of Louisville. Louisville wide receiver. Louisville's always got those athletic freaks, man. Like Jair um, Harrell is is not exactly checking a ton of boxes. His special teams, he has been used as a as a kick returner, not super successfully. Somewhere between twenty and twenty five yards per attempt. Um, his grades are not fantastic, and he's six foot one ninety four, putting him on the smaller end of the spectrum. But it's still worth looking at. Um, he's probably going to be an undrafted free agent. He's not even on the big board list, but um, we'll continue to read it anyways. Uh, He says, okay, let's get this out of the way. Nothing draws more skepticism on this list annually than 40 times, but we're going to start with this caveat. Scott Satterfield has coached Tutu Atwill, T.Y. Hilton, and Jalen Virgil, among others, and he says Harrell is the fastest guy he's ever timed. Satterfield told The Athletic that this spring he timed the 193-pound Harrell at 419 in the 40, Harrell was timed at two, uh, 424 on the laser. Harold's 10-yard split is 141, and he's hit 24 miles per hour on the GPS. Kid can fly, Satterville said, of the Miami native. Now, 40, depending on who you're talking to, 40 time is either the most loved or hated thing ever. Uh, there are people who say that it's the most useless thing in the world, but there's also nothing, let's be completely honest, there's nothing that gets people more excited than a 40 time and we can we can pretend to be you know real uh, intellectual about the issue and well it's, it doesn't mean anything but you start talking about a guy that uh, can run 419 and people are going to get excited no matter what now I, I, but again what does that translate to even in college it hasn't translated to him being a good wide receiver and it doesn't translate to him being a good kick returner either now i don't know why they haven't tried him at punt returner that seems to be a pretty good option but i guess kick returner makes sense cuz you're just trying to make up ground quickly Whereas punt return, you're looking for more lateral agility and whatnot. But still, um, again, there just isn't a ton here that uh, seems to be working out for Tyler Harrell. He had 525 receiving yards and six touchdowns. Um, His uh, biggest game was 100 yards and a touchdown. So um, his grade overall was a 70, and it was the only year... Well, it's actually the only year he ever really played, which maybe, maybe this is sort of a boom or bust kind of thing, because you look at it and you want to judge him based on that. But 2018, 2019, and 2020... He had a total of four targets. All of them came in 2018. He had zero targets, zero receptions in 2019 and 2020. Point is, he just didn't play very much. So you've got a very raw athletic freak. And I'm guessing that's not going to to bode very well for his NFL career. But you could see somebody taking a shot at it and just saying, let's see if we can mold this guy into something. Anyways, next up is a guy that makes I think a little bit more sense, and that is Tanner Connor out of Idaho State. Now it, it, it only makes sense in terms of checking a few boxes, but at least there's a few. This guy is six foot three, two hundred and thirty-three pounds. He caught 34 passes for 685 yards, made first team all-big sky in the FCS in the spring. Connor also has legit speed as he doubles as a standout hurdler on isu's track team he placed fourth at the 2021 big sky outdoor track and field competition in the 110 hurdles and set a personal record with a time of 1403 he also runs a 10 5 100 meter connor's vertical jumped uh vert jumped 40 and a quarter inches this offseason and did 16 reps on the bench of 225 now does he check any special teams boxes no how is he as a receiver well in five years at uh unbelievably small school He got a 68.8 overall grade the year before was a 76. So he's, I guess, mediocre. Uh, He finished the year, by the way, 2021 with 740 yards and four touchdowns. The year he was referring to, because he does this list like the year prior, he had 685 yards. That was 2020. He does average 16.8 yards per reception, which is pretty incredible for, again, a 6'3", 235 pound dude. He does have some uh, quite a bit of experience run blocking 311 snaps as a run blocker this past year, um, but graded out basically as average. My assumption is that's because his run blocking experiences on run plays where he's lined up as a wide receiver and he kind of does that half hearted, you know, thing where you try to block a guy who's not really even trying to make a tackle anyways. So you're basically just getting 60s every single time. There's not a whole lot of like Al Lazard lining up, you know, really, really blocking on screens type stuff. But uh, Tanner Connor is listed at listed at three fifty three, so it's just one of those watch out for him in undrafted free agency type of things. Another guy to keep an eye on: Travis Jones, six foot five, three hundred thirty three pounds. Um, not the greatest pass rusher as you would expect; he's more of a, a nose tackle type. Um, but he has an eighty seven overall run defense grade. He is out of Connecticut. I don't know if I mentioned that, but uh, according to Bruce, he says one of the best kept secrets in college football. At six five, three hundred twenty eight pounds. He had 11.5 tackles for a loss. Again, this is 2020. His first two college seasons with the Huskies unable to play in 2020, Jones didn't get a chance to show how much he's developed there. This is a guy who's arrived in stores at 360 pounds with 30% body fat. He's 32 pounds lighter now, and his body fat is down to a staggering 13%. Jones benches 455 and has done 32 reps at 225. He hang cleans 405 and squats 615. His vert is 28 and half inches, and his shuttle time is 457. Uh, is even more impressive former Auburn star Derek Brown the top 10 overall pick who is almost the exact same weight ran it in 479 at the 2020 combine Jones has an 82 and a half inch wings wingspan and a strong 741 time in the three cone so this is a guy that um is going to go relatively early and by relatively I mean potentially like third round now um it's possible the Packers look at this guy as a second rounder based on their track record but um Again, you're talking defensive line, you're talking athletic freak, you're talking, uh, you know, third, second, third, fourth round-ish. Kind of a minor nod to Mike Martinez, UCLA tight end. Um, he's not even on the big board list here, so I don't know. He, he very rarely does anything. He has 10 targets and six receptions for 67 yards over three years at UCLA and one touchdown. So I'm not really expecting a ton, but... the this guy is size wise ridiculous. 6'6, 272 pound tight end. Um, apparently, according to this, the biggest reason he's a fixture on this list is his enormous hands measuring 12 and a half inches across. Five years ago, DeForest Buckner tied an NFL Combine record for his hand size uh, at 11 and three quarters. So that's pretty crazy. But again, yeah. I got to keep an eye on, again, another mid-round edge rusher, Boye Mafi out of uh, of Minnesota, 6'4", 265. So again, he's got a a good amount of size to him. He's graded out really well over four years, 82, 77, 71, and 81. 42 pressures, 258 attempts, and seven sacks. So statistically, grade-wise, size-wise, um, he does play special teams. He grades out average, 60 overall grade across four years. So nothing really super special there. Mostly field goal blocking unit as well as punt return unit. So not a ton there. But as a player, Mafe makes a lot of sense. He's put on more than 50 pounds since arriving in Minnesota and weighs 263 now, up from 260 last year. Uh, according to PFF, 265. So whatever. Uh, let's see. His weight room numbers are impressive. Now the key is to take a guy who has a vertical jump 40 and a half inches, broad jump 10 six runs in the Runs the 44 five, seven and power cleans 400 pounds to make a lot more plays on the field. Um, I, don't, I don't even necessarily agree with that unless maybe last year his numbers weren't great. Um, and they weren't. It was 15 pressures, although he still had six sacks, but 15 pressures on 117 attempts. So yeah, the, the statistics went through the roof, essentially. Um, it's 42-258, 16.3% pressure rate, so he had a great year. And he's hovering in that third-round, fourth-round territory. So another guy to keep an eye on. A guy that I've been a fan of for some time now also made the list, MyJay Sanders out of Cincinnati. The uh, biggest reason is just it's—I've it's, it's I've always liked sort of the speed bend guys. He's 6'5", 255, which is on the the lower end a little bit for the Packers, although uh, our friend Tippa obviously is uh, pretty small. But 62 pressures, 390 attempts. So he's sitting at 16%. He's always just been a dominant pass rusher. Not, not necessarily his rookie year when he barely played, but 2019, 2020, and 2021, he had overall grades of 79, 84, and 80. Pass rush grades, 82, 90, and 87. He's just a pass rusher. Not to say he's bad in run defense, 70, 81, 75, but, I mean, he's just a dominant pass. That's just what he does. He gets the quarterback. Um, he's sitting at about 62, so he's a second-round, third-round kind of a guy. At one point, he was first, second-round, but he's apparently sliding a little bit down the uh, down the boards. But apparently, he ran a 4.5.6.40 in the offseason, a 4.10 shuttle, broad jump 10 2, and a vert of 35 inches. So he's kind of got a little bit of everything. Again, doesn't offer a ton on special teams, but I'm not sure that he would spend a lot of time on special teams, anyways. Maybe. I don't know. It depends how early he goes. He might be one of those guys where you're not going to risk getting him hurt on special teams. It's like, yeah, obviously, you're not putting guys like Rashawn Gary out there. A guy that a lot of Packer fans are probably going to like, Leo Chanel also made the list uh, linebacker for the Wisconsin Badgers. They've always done a great job of producing linebackers, um, at least in the college ranks. He does, first of all, actually, so six two, two 261, he's a big dude. He does actually have a decent special teams record. He has a 70 overall grade, um, largely punt coverage and field goal block unit. But as a defender, is just an absolute freak show. Uh, 72 overall grade in 2019, 82 in 2020, and jumped up to a 91.5 with a 94 run defense, 86 tackling, and a 92 pass rush grade. Uh, it's another thing that's really good is is the Badgers kind of do what we saw with the 49ers, what we've seen with the with the the Vikings, where they got the linebackers just mugging constantly. Um, he's up in the gap, and the, and he comes a lot. 102 pressures uh in 2021 he had 26 so 122 pass rush attempts 26 pressures 10 sacks on the season so we're starting to see a lot of this these these pass rushing linebackers that that do that kind of stuff a lot and um at his size to be able to do that is pretty impressive also he's not a small guy this is not a 215 220 pound linebacker he's 261 which is kind of cool too because if you look at it um It was really impressive what Devondre Campbell was able to do. He's not a small guy. He's a big, violent guy. So if you can get a guy that can do those other things while still being a big human being um, that just wraps up and tackles really well, that would be a pretty good fit in my mind. But Leo Chanel is uh, 20, ranks 22nd on this list. Six foot two, 255 pound linebacker. This is his numbers as of the most recent he saw. 31 tackles, six tackles for a loss in 2020. Is one of eight Badgers who bench 400 pounds or more Chanel does 420 and cleans 385. The big man clocked a 4 time in the pro agility and has hit top speeds of 20.95 miles per hour on his GPS. He also broad jumped 10 feet 1 inches. Technically, Chanel isn't the strongest Chanel on the team. His brother John, a senior fullback, benches 5 pounds more and squats 620, but he isn't quite as freaky in terms of his speed and agility. He is currently ranked on the big board 108th rate, right? one spot ahead of Jake Ferguson, actually, another guy that the Packers might want to consider out of Wisconsin. Um, I'm actually surprised he's that low. I mean, I guess I shouldn't be. It's a Wisconsin linebacker. A lot of really big Wisconsin guys, generally speaking, aren't going on to do great things. But I do think this is above and beyond. I mean, this guy has been ridiculous. I'm going to skip a lot of these that really don't have a high chance of being uh, drafted. I I really wanted to give a shout out to the Saluki, but he's probably not going to get drafted. But that brings us to Bernard Raymond, Central Michigan Chippewas, which... Uh, when I saw the school he went to, I thought there's not a huge chance that he's going to get drafted very high. However, um, he's currently ranked 35th on the overall big board, meaning this is a guy that's in contention for the Packers' first overall pick. Um, he is a six foot seven, 305-pound tackle. I, I understand the fact that he's a tackle might have some people scratching him off the list. He has exclusively played left tackle, but let's just assume he could be drafted and moved over to the right tackle spot. I don't know. Some of you don't even want that because Elton Jenkins is going to be there. Whatever. I. It is what it is. I think it's possible. I know offensive line needs to be a priority. Whether or not we're looking stronger at tackles or interior, I don't know. But this guy had a 94.6 overall grade, 94.6 run blocking grade, and an 88.7 pass blocking grade, meaning the guy's a great pass blocker. He allowed one sack, three hits, and six hurries for a total of 10 pressures on the entire season um, had several games with zero pressures. In fact, he didn't give up a single pressure after week six. So Toledo, Northern Illinois, Western Michigan, Kent State, Ball State, and Eastern Michigan didn't get a single pressure on the quarterback. So at six foot seven, 305 pounds, he is a quality pass blocker, but is a road grading run blocker, which is something that I think the Packers are going to be somewhat interested in. Again, I don't know exactly how to translate this in terms of, uh, you know, central Michigan to the NFL. That's going to be for the scouts to figure out, uh, ability as ability. But definitely something to keep an eye on for an offensive lineman, uh, and I don't think he makes it to our second pick. As of right now, that doesn't seem to be the case. Uh, according to Bruce, he started playing football in Austria for the Vienna Vikings. Oh, come on now. Tell me you're not getting a little bit excited. Uh, when he was 14 and displayed soft hands and great length for an Austrian U19 team before moving to Michigan in a year-long high school exchange program, Central Michigan took note of his near six-foot-seven frame and his athleticism. He caught 20 passes in his first two seasons before being shifted to offensive line, where he continued to pack on bulk. Raymond is definitely on the NFL's radar. Scouts are intrigued. He's up to 304 pounds, but ran a 4.6 shuttle with 33-inch vert and a 9.7.5 broad jump, 1.56 10-yard sprint to go with a 450-pound bench press. Raymond has a 3.8 GPA as an uh, actuarial science and statistics double major. That's what I wanted to do when I was in high school, strictly because I saw how much money they make. On the field, he's spent a bunch of time in the offseason working with renowned NFL line coach Paul Alexander to polish his game. So remember, this was back in 2020 when they were just taking note of him. So in 2018, remember, this is this is a guy from Austria who comes here and play, plays wide receiver, and then Central Michigan's like, let's try you at uh, offensive line, see how it goes. 2018 he has a 53 overall grade 2019 47 overall grade by the conclusion of 2020 he jumps up to a 75 overall grade and that's when bruce feldman looks at him and is like hey you know guys in the nfl are starting to take note of him he's kind of intriguing then he jumps up and gets a 95 overall grade and is in conversations of being a first round pick uh, another potential linebacker is Christian Harris, Alabama linebacker. This is again, going to be another guy where the Packers are going to want to take a first round swing at it. I doubt they're going to want to do that. Maybe he makes it to them in the second round and they look at him in that regard. But Christian Harris is a Alabama linebacker that is potentially in contention. He is on the freak list. I'll be completely honest looking and I, I've talked about Christian Harris in the past. he was he was considered an early first round prospect for some time and has been slowly dropping. He's never been a good football player, according to his PFF grades. Ever, he had a 67, then a 62, then a 61. But I think he's an Alabama player um, who probably gets a bunch of of tackles because he's in the middle of this Alabama defense and is an athletic freak. But I just I don't know how good of a football player he is. But still, he's on the list for being six foot two, two hundred thirty two pounds. Um, has exceptional explosion, explosiveness, power cleans, 405. I think the opportunity here is if he falls, and I'm talking out of the second round. So I'm not going to go through this entire list because there's literally 100 people on here. Um, Again, I've been kind of skipping some of the ones that don't really make sense, like Malik Willis, the uh, quarterback, the running backs like Devon Achane, or however you say his name. But there's a lot of people to to continue to dive into, um, and we'll probably continue to keep an eye on a lot of these guys like Josh Taylor, Wayne State defensive lineman. You got, you know, Instagram video of him slam dunking and whatnot. Brandon Smith, Penn State linebacker. Julius Welshoff, Michigan defensive end. Jaquez Azard uh, is a, a wide receiver slash kick returner. In fact, let's look at that one real quick, just because, you know, kick returner and whatnot. He's a Sam Houston State Bearcat, 5'9", 190, and is primarily a punt returner, averages 10.5 yards per return. I don't think there's anything super interesting about this guy. But anyways, again, lots of guys on this list. So as we continue forward and as we start to look at prospects, again, it's going to be through certain lenses. Um, Need for the team, athletic ability, height, weight, special teams ability, uh, Senior Bowl or East-West Shrine Bowl, if they went to any bowls, how they performed in those, because again, these are places not only where you get Brian Gutekunst and what, and, and the rest of the staff on site to watch these guys, but you are also got some interviews and things like that taking place. By the way, that's something else that I've been tracking, um, keeping track of meetings and interviews that have been taking place between the Packers and other players, and we'll we'll be talking about those as well. But we're butting up on an hour, so I think we're going to call it Again, we're just in the beginning phases of starting to learn who these people are, what they do, why they do it, and kind of honing in on what I think the Packers are going to want to do. But more and more information about that is going to slowly be seeping out as well. So anyways, you guys have yourselves a fantastic uh, Sunday, I guess. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.